Pastor Mai, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. Gurumai Morad, Sean Cowper for the news. This is the first episode of Perspective since the middle of March. Like so many things, the pause button was pressed as the COVID-19 pandemic took hold, and it felt only right to use the first programme back to reflect on what's happened in between. I'm Dolan Mercer, we're broadcasting live from Douglas in the Isle of Man with three rather familiar voices. I'm joined in the studio this afternoon by three people who, like me, have spent the past four months or more covering COVID-19. I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves, tell us a bit about them, and pinpoint one moment or memory from the past four months that sticks out for them. Jess, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, So, yes, I'm Jess Ward. I'm a reporter at Isle of Man Newspapers, uh, which I've been in for almost three years now. Uh, And I cover all kind of any fields, no niches, uh, for the Examiner, for the Manx Independent and for the Courier. Uh, In terms of a highlight, I guess, um, it's it's kind of hard to pick. So so many significant moments took place in in just a short while. But I'd say um, one of the most prominent points was being able to uh, talk about the the first kind of patients come out of intensive care of the intensive care unit um, Mm. and being able to break that news to the Isle of Man and it was just a bit of um, positivity and through such a dark time for the island. It was was a rare good news story at the time wasn't it? Yes yes so um, it was quite emotional myself covering that um, and being able to speak to the daughter and, and get an insight into how she was doing and and you know the 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 fact that she'd been the first person to be admitted with COVID-19 um, in the Isle of Man uh, to Nobles Hospital and then to be the first to come out of intensive um, in the ICU unit. Uh, but she'd been in there for absolute months. So, yeah, it was yeah it was a bit of a um, ray of light, I guess. Yeah. Paul, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Okay. And I'm just, it's oh, weird being on the other side of the microphone. Um, Paul Moulton, uh, you probably know me from MTTV, although I must say from the word go, my company is PMC TV, and everything I'll be saying in this hour is my opinion and nothing to do with MT because obviously I provide them with the, the service, which is now nine years old and uh, is still going strong, I'm glad to say. And uh, before that, I used to be here as a little nipper. Uh, we were talking before we started about the things that we remember. There's so many, Dolan, but the, the one that uh, we were all at, we were waiting for that first lot of boatload of people coming back to the Isle of Man, and all the press were there, and we all had our mouths to the floor almost to see the way it was dealt with, the police presence, and they stopped the cars at the roundabouts. And they we were we, taking we had a bird's eye view, of course, from here, yeah. pretty much mm-hmm. anyway. Very, um, very strange times, that. Striking? Striking. Well, it's memorable, and... I know this will all be played out at some point in the future. We'll all be sitting in some sort of inquiry in a year or two's time talking about what went well, what went, didn't go well. And that's what I'm sure we'll be talking about in this hour, about how we've been covering it for better or worse and richer and poor and all that sort of thing. But uh, anyway, it's good to be here and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Cheers. Josh, over to you. Yeah, thanks, darling. Uh, I'm Josh Stokes. Um, I'm ITV Granada's Isle of Man reporter. Um, so we do, we cover the region as a whole, the Granada region, which is yeah, Manchester, Liverpool, Lancashire, and of course the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the sole reporter here and it's and I've obviously been the main guy reporting for ITV on, on coronavirus for the, for the whole time on the island. Um, in terms of a standout moment, for me, it has to be looking when when the island hit no active cases because that was a significant moment for the island but also a highly significant moment for our region as a whole because it was the at the one time where people who may not have you know visited the Isle of Man may not know it as well as people living here looked at the Isle of Man and thought wow that they've got a different coronavirus story than the rest of the UK Hmm. and that's something significantly that we've been reporting on the fact that you know the Isle of Man has a different story to tell than, than the rest of the UK and the significant moment for me was putting that uh, highlight piece together, looking back on the, the journey that the Isle of Man's been through, which was only, you know, 11, 12 weeks, which felt it felt like a lifetime. But actually, 11, 12 weeks isn't that long. Um, and just looking back on that journey and, and, and you know, summarising the, the events that had happened here. Well, thank you very much for that. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for, for coming and joining me in the studio. Um, if you're listening, if you have any questions or any thoughts about anything you hear, you can get in touch with us. You can email studio at manxradio.com or you can text 166 Now, if we cast our minds back um, about six months or so, 
Um, Brexit was dubbed as being the biggest thing to happen for a well, a whole generation of journalists, really, until the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic came in. Do you feel this is now the defining topic of our careers? Wow. I, yeah, it's a big question. I, I certainly think so. I mean, in my years as a journalist, I never expected to cover such a huge topic, um, especially in the Little Isle of Man. Um, yeah, I, I just think in terms of everything that's happened, it, it all seemed, there were so many significant moments in just such a short time. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what you guys think. Let's flip it slightly. I mean, it's one thing that's engaged the, the Manx public more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. When we had the press conferences, to start with, the numbers were off the charts. People were stopping everything at four o'clock to hear what was being said. There was that feeling of, you know, and, and when the lockdown came, when we when, I remember doing a piece of camera saying that now, effectively, the Isle of Man is cut off from the rest mm. of the world. Well, you know, over-dramatising it. What's but, it done for your figures, Paul? Because you're, you're very much a one-man band. You monitor what interaction's like with the public. Well, we, what, me and Josh were, were now able for to pints, the, we, and we walked <laughs> in this pub, and you could, in the old days, it makes ready when, when, you know, I was a little DJ thing, and you used to get that lot of recognition, and we walked in, didn't we, and yeah. you could see people turn their heads. So it's, it's done a lot for... Uh, they know who we all are now. I think yes, reputation-wise, it's certainly certainly grown for better or worse. It has yeah, and, to be said, and that's yeah. the key. Yeah, that is maybe coming to later, but that's been that's been staggering. The the divide yeah. on the Manx public is huge, huge. I mean, you you know, every day people are absolutely want to keep those borders shut, and they'll tell you so, and they'll be really really passionate about it. And then the next person you meet is completely opposite, mm-hmm. and and I don't mm. I don't know how that's ever going to be resolved. And you can clearly hear that on the press conferences, that they, they are playing this, walking on a, on a tightrope yeah. on this one. We will come back to some of those things. And you said for better or for worse, what makes a good journalist on the Isle of Man? Josh, an, I want to ask you that's this. A, that's a very interesting question. It depends. It, all, it very much depends who your audience is and who you're working for. Because you're, you're, I mean, we should say you're quite a fresh pair of eyes Definitely, to the yeah. island. Yeah, and I, so, I uh, moved over to the island for the job. I'd never been to the Isle of Man before taking the job. I've been here a year and a half now. And it, it really has open my eyes to how much actually goes on on the Isle of Man. You know, I, I don't think people were as aware of, of the Isle of Man in the Granada region as perhaps they should have been having having it been within the region. Coming here and yeah. reporting on a whole range of stories before coronavirus, you know, we had the Laxey floods, which was a massive deal. We've had the promenade scheme, which has now got regional attention, you know, from them for, again, for better or worse. So it didn't have to start with. That's interesting not, as well. Not so much, no. And it's it's it's... It's. I think for Granada in particular, it's getting that visual for people, you know, because the fact we're all doing TV and it's all visuals and what you film, getting that visual and showing people two ways of the Isle of Man, you know, how, how visually stunning the Isle of Man can be, but also the people on the Isle of Man and the thoughts and opinions they have and the links with the Northwest there are key, I think. Um, and, and getting that um, out there is important and that's that's been the aim, really. Curtis, that obviously, uh, knowing that I did that job as well, we're, but at Borders, when we were 18, 19% of the audience, but when we moved to Granada, you're, you're mm. battling 1%. It's a very low percentage, but the, the key is, for stories on the Isle of Man, is finding that regional appeal mm-hmm. to people. So people in Manchester and Liverpool are sitting there looking at the Isle of Man going, well, actually, this is this is quite... I'm not going to go and make a cup of tea at this point. This is interesting. And, that, and the coronavirus has been really key to that because it's been one of those things where people have been fixated on what's going on in the UK and press conferences there, understandably, but... From, from our perspective, from my perspective, I've been able to put the Isle of Man bit on it. And for a while, the Isle of Man was almost two weeks ahead of the UK and what was going on. So construction was opening up, for example. And then two weeks later in the UK, construction was opening up there. So people in the Granada region were seeing how construction was opening up on the Isle of Man and then seeing it again in the UK in two weeks' time. And they, and the interest was there. You know, my, my viewing figures went up within the Northwest because the interest was there to see how an island was doing it near to them and maybe something they hadn't looked at before. Mm-hmm. Jess, you're um, not Manx. I'm not, no. I don't know if you can tell by the accent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, it's, it's a softer accent now, getting so. Is, um, yes. tell, tell us a bit about what you feel makes a good journalist on the Isle of Man. Well, for me, um, you def- you're a representative of the public, so that's where the focus is. Um, you, you need to keep your ears to the ground um, and just be really approachable um, to, to people to kind of get those stories. And you just have to be very, very good at networking um, and finding ways to kind of get to the story through, through those means. Um, I don't know, in terms of personal traits, 
you, it's hard because you have to be so impartial all the time. So you can't really be, you can't really share strong emotions or, or opinions. Um, but yeah, just I think for me, I, I like to get a, a, quite a wide range of topics and <laughs> show an interest through those those sort of things. I don't like to just focus on one particular thing. I think, well, there's so much going on in the island. We have to talk about the Isle of Man government coronavirus media briefings. Um, I had one appearance. I've had just just a cameo appearance at them. <laughs> Jess, you've done a few. Uh, I haven't counted. <laughs> um, Paul and and Josh, you've been pretty much ever present throughout. Most, most I would of them, say. Yes, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the format? Has it worked? Oh, you're looking at me. Great. <laughs> yeah. Has it, Everyone ha- knows that I'm the one that's going to say all this stuff, and I'll get into trouble, won't I? How, how has it been dealt with? No, no, it's, it's fine. Honest, honest no, no, view. No. Has it worked? How has it been done? Well, clearly, we had to do it the way we did it. I mean, we started in the, in the room. Yes. We were all filming. There was like probably 10 cameras at one stage. Then we were social distanced in that room. And then we were sent home and we zoomed in. And that was the, that's the way everyone was doing it. Of because press briefings in the UK happen all the time, on, especially for like sports reportings and things. We, we see that all the time. It's not something we have much on the Isle of Man in that kind of a format. So... Was that a challenge in its own right, do you think? Doing it on Zoom, as anyone will know, is not the same as being in the room. There's definitely a different approach. And I've done hundreds, no, hundreds, but loads of interviews during the lockdown on Skype with everybody because I, I couldn't go and interview anyone. And it's different. It, you've got a lag on the time. With this thing, we were missing questions quite often. There was sound issues. Um, and also, you, you know, they've got control over the whole thing. So if, if you're leading me down the path, I think you are. Um, obviously... We no, then, no leading. Yes, no you leading. are. We got to the point when we could be back in the, the room, and that happened when the lockdown finished. Well, we're in a studio now. We're in a studio now, but we're not. We, and it was held at the Manx Museum, and I said at that point, surely we, we could go back into the room, and that wasn't to happen. So do you think the format's worked? And I mean that for the journalists and for the listeners and the I viewers. I think there's any other format that could be done, but now, if you ask me now, I think I'd rather be personally back in the room. We're not. It's still been done remotely and we still got these issues that sometimes we can't we, we're desperately scared aren't we just that the question questioner before us might have asked something yeah exactly because we, we've missed it or something's gone wrong or whatever yeah it was hard because obviously technical glitches what i found hard was earlier when all all of us journalists are asking questions if you were like number 14 or right <laughs> at the yes. end you'd be yeah. crossing off your questions and, as and they the, go along. The, the list of of media outlets got longer of course so at one yes. point it was uh I yeah, don't know, it was, five, six, something like that. It was a challenge, to, to say the least. <laughs> I mean, everyone writes them down. I don't. You know, I hold my hand up. On, I'm on some sort of scale. I don't do that sort of thing. I just think of a question that comes to my head, for better or worse. But if you're at the bottom, you're really probably scratching. because. Mm. And yeah. there have been some days, of course, where things are announced mm. uh, minutes before your your time to ask mm. some questions, and you have to react on yeah, the well, I mean, I put this to them. I, in, in the House of Commons... The opposition, we, you can almost view us as the opposition because we're there to ask questions. It is a press conference. Mm. So it would have been handy maybe to have had the clue at quarter to the hour that this and that was going to be asked. Yeah. So we've all got time to simulate it. Yeah. And it's, if you're first up, Josh, on a day with the big course. news, what's it like? Well, it's, it's, it's a very good point, the fact that we find out when the public find out. So we are very, we are reacting. It's, it's real-time response, It really it? is. There's, there's no embargoed release. No, not like, at all. Like, it's just the chief yeah. minister says, this is changing in this time, what's your question? And, and I it's kicked straight myself in. afterwards by asking a stupid question when I really had a better question yeah. once I knew if I'd simulated that information. Yeah. If you look back, what I found, if you look back, it almost is... The question, whoever asked the question the second or the third or the fourth time almost gets the better question yeah. Yeah. because yeah. they're the ones that have, you know, digested the information and are able to formulate a question based on what's already been said. Whereas, the you know, the first person, you've got your pre-planned questions and usually they are relevant. But if there is a big announcement, as you say, we, 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 we've we never been let, let know what, what's going to happen. And we do have to react to, to how it is, um, which, again, has been has been beneficial in some ways because, you know, we are we are there to react with the public. You know, we're not... It's it's important to to make that distinction between the government and the press. You know, it's not the government and the press, and then there's the public. We are almost the public asking questions in some ways, but from a press perspective, and it's important to make that distinction. More um, more points to come back to on that. I'm just going to throw a question at you from a listener. Andy's asked um, with a guest panel, what is the difference between radio journalists and reporters? Anyone have an answer for that? Radio journalists in sense of, you know, reporters in like TV reporters or because radio journalists may be, you know, reporters 
on the same. I can say the distinction between because we we use different mediums actually, of the four of us. Mm. Yeah. So that, the main maybe that's distinction part of the I think for, for TV is it's always about the visuals, mm. which is why for for us the press conferences it was key that there was a visual there. It was key that the chief minister, the health minister, appeared there, were filmed. We could take the footage and they were you know seen. That's the key for the for the TV journalism kind of thing. So. We've got to not only think about what questions we're going to ask, how we're going to hold the government to account, but also how it's going to look. And that, that's key in a lot of stories, I mean, all stories for TV. Um, and as you said, Paul, your highlight was the, the repatriation, the repatriated residents. When that, when that police presence came in, that was a key TV journalism moment. You know, you could describe that on radio, but actually seeing the police presence there with the coach that came in. During lockdown, were you were you classed as a key worker? Were you allowed to go out and to go and, go yes, and report yes. on things, video things? I never tested it, but I thought we were, but I never got told we were. You came under your UK one, yes, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so I was allowed to, to go out and report um, and film what I needed to film. Because you'd have been quite stuck without that. Yes, you, I think. We, we did have restrictions in the sense that if we, we couldn't film, especially to begin with, I didn't film inside people's houses because that was, that was, that was key to kind of safety for, for us and whoever we were filming. So if you could Skype, I would, I would Skype if preferable on a lot of things, especially to begin with, because there was that worry and concern. And I don't think the majority of people would want someone turning up at their house when they've been told to stay indoors and, mm. and self-isolate, perhaps. Um, so, But, you know, we were allowed to to operate in some sense, which is how we got the repatriated shots, because I think at that time we were still... We, we were socially distanced, taking of the course, same... yeah. But, of course, the actual press conference, we've all got the same pictures. You know, now from the beginning when we took our own staff or yeah. whatever, we are all being fed the... The same the official pictures, which yeah. is, you know, so you can watch on any of the, the sites. There's nothing to differentiate at all. In terms of the the, the live stream. Mm. Yeah, the live stream is the same stream put out across uh, the rest. Obviously, for, for Granada's purpose, for our purpose, we may clip 12 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds to use on the on the TV bulletin. And, and in maybe a report that I would do, that again, there'd be 12 seconds, 20 seconds. But the actual stream is, as you say, it goes mm. across everyone's. For the newspapers, we sent in a photographer, obviously mm-hmm. social distancing, and he, he would take photos for us. Because obviously, well, we could take screenshots of the live streaming, but it just doesn't, doesn't look doesn't so work, great in no. print. No. no. Uh, a message in, this is from Graham, just to say, um, faster my Dolan team and guests, you've done so much to keep us informed. So grateful and well done. So that's nice. Wow, that's Thank nice. you, Graham. Nice you know that's going to set off everybody else now. Though, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask about editorial guidelines. And part of the reason that I do this is because, again, we find ourselves in different situations. Jess and I are part of bigger teams. Team, yes. Paul, I don't think you really answer to anybody do you in your no in I've your... got editorial control over what goes out but I ha- so I have to use my own judgment for better mm-hmm. or worse and you know I, I do the best I can I try and keep keep everyone to the same durations if they're political interviews or, or you know like yep. the by-elections yep. but we don't internet stuff doesn't really come under anything at the minute to have control I know they're talking about putting it into the broadcasting act or something but uh, no woman in that sense Josh, Josh, is, Josh is, it, is it similar for you or do you have do you, do you report into someone? No, or? I report into news editors on the day, program editors who's doing the program, you know, planning editors if we're doing something in advance and it's 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 finding discussing with them, you know, from an outside perspective what's going to be interesting to the Granada region, not just the Isle of Man. And that, that does that does that does that influence what you ask at the briefings? It can do, yeah, massively. So especially to begin with, you know, things that were going on in the UK, the, the, the discussion about face masks, which, which was, again, was split throughout the idea. That that was something that we, we wanted to continue asking. And, and the relationship that the Isle of Man government has with the UK government and the influence they were taking from each other and what's that like, that's of interest to the Granada region. They were the kind of angle questions I was going on, which helped me in some ways because they were questions I know that, you know, maybe Manx Radio weren't going to ask or on my newspapers because they're not... As lo- you know, they'll be asking more the local. So it's a different questions. audience. Isn't it's that? a different audience. Exactly. Yeah. I think we we ask those questions continuously, and we get that sort of feedback. That you're asking the same question, but it did change the information. Well, yes, changing. that's that's a different point. The the fact that the the question, well, the mask, masks being an interesting case yeah. study masks, because yeah, because the it's official been changing, line changed. It's been changing throughout, and it's always it's in some ways it's always been the case of, uh, you know, it's it's. It, it may help you know, other people. It doesn't necessarily help the wearer, but we're not advising it. We're not regulating it. And of course, just last week, we heard the health minister say uh, that they might bring in the fact that if you're self-isolating and have to go back to the UK, we might suggest wearing a mask, which again, it shows the change there again. And that, that's been something that we've been struggling to balance with people saying, we've heard that question before, we know the answer. But the, ch- the chances are the answer might change. And we've got to ask that question because if it does change, it doesn't always get brought up in the speeches. Well, sadly, with the deaths, we had to actually use a question to ask where that death had occurred. Mm. 
it wasn't for some reason it couldn't just be announced as part of the press conference i never quite understood mm. why they couldn't just identify where that death was in the community was it in a nursing home whatever we're, we're i mean we're talking about abbotswood here lots we of the questions but we had to keep we had to actually ask the same question every day and it normally landed on me to ask that one i don't know why but it's 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 just the way it was handled and you know you can't give out details and so on um jess it, you yeah. and i were both part of teams covering very much a local audience or certainly predominantly mm. were there discussions before the briefings about what you should or shouldn't ask um not really it was kind of up to the person who was going to be asking the questions so a lot of the time I was just very much whatever I thought of um if if I needed support I would reach out to my news team or they might send over some suggestions and I had to rely on a lot of uh, people I'd networked with who were in places like Abbotswood or uh, the COVID ward and also teachers and the teaching hubs just to kind of get an idea of what they would like me to ask from their perspectives so uh, it was a mixture really but it came down to to myself in my own little um, hub uh, to do that. Can I just add I, mm. I found that I was getting incredible amount of information from some very very good sources and you, you felt like a conduit almost. These are individuals who've got people, in touch with you directly? Yeah, some people who knew very much what was going on, especially um, in situations. And on my um, Facebook thing, on Messenger, there was probably about five or six sometimes a day pumping questions up. And it was almost like, wow, they were all amazing questions, things that I would never have thought of. Mm. And you can probably hear that when I ask certain questions, that how would I have known that to ask? Because it, it puts them on the spot. I've got to say, Dave Rashford has had a great a period for, for PR. I mean, you, you cannot take away from me, he always had an answer. You know, and we did a weekly uh, Q and A with him, and he's been amazing. And uh, people thought in the, in the early days we didn't get on very well because you know the, the, with the questions. But I've I've found that they've been very amenable and always been willing to talk to us, which has been good. Do you have favourites? Favourite <laughs> MHKs? Yeah, yeah, I do. And do you think that comes across in coverage? I hope not. Do you, I've normally get told I'm, I treat people I know harder because I think it's almost it's comes, almost like an overcompensation, yeah, perhaps. I, I, but this is our man. Everyone knows everybody to some degree, but mm. I'm trusted. And I think maybe everyone can say that they, everyone will have somebody they go to with a great, you know, inside information sort of thing to ask a question that we wouldn't have had any necessary clue on. It is quite handy to know when you're asking a question that the person that's given it to you has got the knowledge that should make you ask that question in the first place. How about fake news? How often do you feel we've been sold? A bit of a red herring by somebody, or someone wants to to pursue, uh, I don't know, a particular theory that they might have. Has that happened much? Yeah, that did pop up a lot. It's social media. I mean, everybody's got a voice on there. Uh, in the beginnings, they had lots of um, suspicion and uh, people just making up stories. It was a bit of scaremongering, I think. Um, yeah, I'd basically. Um, I think a lot of I think it was just heightened emotions at the time and so people kind of wanted to put out a bit of fake news mm. just to stir it up when you get someone telling you X, Y and Z has happened um, I go back to them and say well who was it and will they talk to me and it, it, if it falls it falls and, and mm. then you yeah. think well there's nothing more to it because the rumour mill is so fantastic it only <laughs> takes two people to tell you something that actually makes you worry that it might be true yeah. so you've well, got to cross reference it so was you? there a mechanism for trying to filter out the the, the, the fake news, Josh. Did you get any? There's one thing from, I've learned since things being here is Manx rumours and Manx whispers are a very real thing. Yeah. And whether it's on social media or someone coming to you directly, there are certainly things that you need to verify before before putting out there. Um, it's very important. But in terms of has there been a mechanism to deal with that? I think to be honest, the, the public Q and A has been the ideal situ you know situation to do mm -hmm. that. And, and even with us, you know, there's been questions we've asked where we've gone, we've heard this rumor, mm. is it true? And a lot yeah. of the time, it's no, it's not, and that's fine. You know, at least it's stamped out. Then you know, so it has filtered its way into the briefings. Oh yeah, a bit. absolutely. The, there's been the, questions the from us and and the because you're getting the from multiple sources. Absolutely. So if it's just one person, you might not bother. But once you hear it from a few people, you go, yeah. mm, that might have legs. You need to ask it. And I think that's where the more journalists asking more questions has actually been beneficial because you can get to the end and go, well, I've, all the questions that really need to be asked have been asked i was told this last week i might as well ask if it's true and you just, you just put that in there and, it, and it's and it's those it's those questions that are almost more important to stamp out the rumors that, that go around mm. um and as i say the public q a for the public opportunity to ask those questions directly and for us has been has been beneficial did you ever feel under pressure to ask a certain question I, I got pressure early on to ask nicer questions, and I didn't understand what that meant. Ni I, nicer? Exactly. I was shocked. I've never had that in my whole time, because um, 
it was you know, n- n- the, n- nicer to who to, to the government and i didn't understand because i wasn't asking necessarily a bad question i don't have that thing of going into thinking it was a good or a bad question and i've asked some really stupid questions i appreciate that but quite often i think i've, I've nailed it with, with questions but to be told you know maybe you should ask nicer questions I, I i was i was shocked but that's that's because there's been so much uh, feedback on all so n- all n- social media nicer nicer uh, being easier to answer yeah. basically is that, is but, that you know what it you can mean? be quite wearing Donald. early on you're seeing so many people saying horrible things i mean i've never been in that situation ever that people would really i mean they hadn't actually heard what we were asking they were just they were attacking certain people certain people in the high in, in the headlights and i was certainly one of them and it was quite quite shocking but i've, I've actually realized that it doesn't matter what you say people are going to have that opinion about mm-hmm. you it really there's nothing yeah. on the other side can i say i've had the most amazing amount of correspondence from people who've started by saying we really appreciate what you're doing mm-hmm. you're asking some good questions and then they've come up with something that because they trusted you almost and i can't i never reveal sources so they get their chance and, mm-hmm. and, and it's a shame when you've got two questions that you you can't ask everything you want to why was it two questions do you think because that was that was the wrong person that, i mean that's that, was, the, that, that was, was brought in reasonably early on yeah yeah. Um, well, because it did get out of early days. We didn't know what we're doing. We were just sitting there. Yeah. The, the microphone was going back and forth like a yo. We were sitting there for a fair for amount an of time. Hour, yeah. at least. Yeah. There has to be organisation to it. But the trouble is, certain days, and it's normally not in... We're in pool A? Pool A, are we? Yeah, so, yes. pool B get the easier times. less of them. <laughs> the better pool. Yeah, fewer. The chief goes, oh, well, any more questions? And I'm going, well, that's funny. We never get that. I'm only yeah. joking, <laughs> Mr. Quayle. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of wonder why. Why are they, Some days they want to ask you... Well, ask I, I, mm. I asked you if there was favouritism from journalists towards politicians. Do you think that's true the other way around as well? Uh, I, no, I'm not naming any names. It's I, an, it's an not, open... I suppose, I, I don't know, but I suppose there has to be in some way. You know, they'll be, they'll be looking back at the time and going, well, we usually get that kind of question from that person. We know we they must plan or formulate some kind of strategy of what's going to be asked beforehand otherwise they wouldn't have the answer most of the time and there must be an idea of you know who they'd who who they'd rather get questions from whether that was put into the pools i've no idea you know the pools seem to be split fairly equally um when they were split whether we wanted them to be split into pools uh, or not is, well, is another discussion but what, what happened there why were you split you know more people were added into the list it got very long and mm. and maybe people started losing interest although it, it seemed in the early days the q a's was probably the most bit that everyone seems to like mm. because you're getting basically a statement from yeah. from somebody and it, it could look a bit i mean some of the ministers win on this and some of them definitely did not yeah. win you know yeah. some people can deliver a, a speech and some can't that, i asked at the beginning whether these briefings worked do you think they well we've sort of answered whether it worked for us or not do you think it worked for the listener I or, think it's or, been or, or the viewer or the I, viewer. I think it's been better, more beneficial for, for people to have it whether you whether you love it or hate it it's 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 included the public in discussion and i've spoken to a number of people who have both loved and hated it but they always tune in Mm. and i think that's key they always want to listen to what's being said and always want to get that insight information and it's important especially at a time of crisis that they have that and that was why it was important that it was seven days a week we were doing seven days weekends to get that information out to people i think on the whole it's been highly beneficial to do that and now it's gone down to one a week they've moved to a room where you can't get in there you know it's still remote so i've i didn't go last week because i really thought I don't know if I've really got that much now to ask. I sat back and watched it as a viewer. I might yet do it again, but I really want to... I, honestly, I keep telling them, get us in a room. Why have you put, picked a room? Because they say there's no room for, for the journalists. And I'm not, I'm not saying we're special or anything, but if we're going to do this properly, it is a press conference. We are there to ask questions, and it's only right and that we are there in person. Because If you, we want to be. We, some people might want to stay at home and do it, but I'd yeah. rather be there in person. That's you, you brought this up actually at the press conferences with yeah. the ministers. How many and, times? And said... Why are we still on the on the Zoom? And it felt it felt half in kind of a joking manner at, at first, but also there was a bit of serious intent there, clearly. Because you know, they're meant to facilitate the press. Yeah. There is an important point there where if the whole island's now back to normal, we're not social distancing, and things can start moving around again... Why haven't the press conferences come? But like, there is a question there. Whether yeah, it's definitely. there needs yeah. to be a reason why. You know, there, there's a question to ask. Of everything's gone back to a fairly normal state. We don't have to socially distance anymore. You know, the format doesn't necessarily have to change. We don't have to all rock up with our cameras and start filming because they can still have people there to pull out the footage. But in terms of journalists sitting down in a room, looking ministers in the eye and asking mm. a question there and then, and then coming back with follow-up questions without the delay, without the thing, there is a question there that needs to be asked. Can you provide the same scrutiny? Uh, from afar do you think you can try but i still don't think it'll be it'd be good enough to because to, you've always got that technical lag and, and you can hear it in the press conferences that 
Some of us have worse connection than others. There's an argument there that it's not as fair. You know, some people have that delay. Some people don't have that, you know, ability to come back because there, there is a delay there. By the time you've come back with a supplementary, it's already gone. We've already moved on to the next journalist because you've had that delay. And just just by cutting that out, by bringing everyone in the same room, it, it's, it's, it's a benefit that I think should be there because everything else has come back to normal. And that is how we started it in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's like the Eurovision Song Contest results service in the 1980s. You know, hello, Luxembourg, can we have your votes? Because you know, some you're right. Some people have got a really good link, and yeah. others there's this huge gap, and if they can't interrupt, you can't talk over them because you're, you're talking against each other. Anyway, let's hope they can find a room that can accommodate the press. And I'm not saying we all want to go. I do, but others might not want to. Mm. Time is moving on, and um, thank you for all the messages that are coming into the studio. You can keep doing so. Studio at manxradio.com one double six one double seven. We'll be right back after this. Master Mai, welcome back. You're listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm joined in the studio by Jess Ward of Isle of Man Newspapers, Paul Moulton of Isle of Man TV, and Joshua Stokes of ITV Granada Reports. We're looking back really at four months of covering COVID-19. A strange time for everybody, but a strange time for us as well. We've mentioned a little bit before the break about some of the feedback, good and bad, that we've all had during this on quite a personal level. I'm going to read out a couple of comments. Now, these were just sent to us um, just through me basically promoting this program. So this is only very recently. Uh, I won't mention names, but please take such and such off. He is a waste of space. Mm -hmm. Another one, I'm probably one of many that turned off questions after the briefing. Some of the questions being asked were quite frankly embarrassing, i.e. a question from such and such relating to the promenade refurbishment, I ask you, in the middle of a pandemic. Have we received any direct abuse, do you think, over this? And how does how do you feel about it? Yeah, I definitely did. And I, ha- I learned quite early on to ignore what was being said on social media. Uh, I just put it down to, again, heightened emotions. I mean, it was uh, it's a hard time. Like, we were going through a lot together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I got... I think I was, it was during the... The press briefings and I've been asking a question about mental health and, and people were telling me to oh, tell her to get get out like tell her to sit down uh, so it was quite demeaning um, but actually I just yeah I, I just had to ignore it and I think over this period you know you do toughen up and that's good as a journalist you, you need to um, have quite a strong backbone um, but actually on the other side a lot of people on social media said a lot of positive things to me too and um, yeah. also rallied to the cause in terms of providing questions or getting in touch with me and saying oh have you thought about this and could you ask a little bit further about this issue and um, or just complimenting me also on on the way I deliver my questions with clarity and so that was that was also really good but yeah again like you just had to ignore the the haters I suppose out there. Right, Paul. I think I've said everything on this one already earlier really but it, 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 it certainly kind of shocked at the beginning because you don't think you've asked a particularly bad question and certainly you realise that certain people don't, again, I've said that already, it doesn't matter what you say, they don't like you, and I've, I may have run their cat over or something, or done something, I don't know. You just don't know if there's a personal thing to it. And, and social media is so easy to hide behind. But on the flip side, I've had some amazing support. And um, I think we all got used to it, basically, mm. as well. That's another thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from my perspective, same again, as Jess said, but we were in the middle of a crisis, you know, people were at home looking at the majority, they were spent waiting for the conference, waiting to hear the news, and if they didn't like the question that was asked, they're going to make it known. You know, it did become it did become personal to a lot of people, but at the end of the day, we're doing a job to ask the question, not from our own personal perspective. It wasn't the majority of time to ask, you know, when can I do this, when can I do that? We were asking mm. the majority of time off the back of something we'd heard or something that someone wanted asked, and that's the job that we do. Whether people don't like that or not, that's you know that's their opinion. But that is why the public Q&A came into play, and that's yeah. why yeah. we had that separate conference for people to come in. And funnily enough, it was there was you know the turnout was varied on that compared to the amount of people that think thought they had the right question that should have been asked. Every, every, everyone's Q&A. a journalist, aren't they? Exactly, really? everyone. Everyone's a journalist. But there wasn't should... that much response, is what you're saying. I mean, the first one yeah. did all right. It yes. seemed to peter off very quickly. The, the, the people weren't coming forward yeah. to put their questions. So that most people were pretty happy that we were doing it on their behalf. Yeah, did absolutely. you ever respond to any criticism? 
I, I did a little bit. Only by I put a like on a thing. If it's if it appeared on my timeline, I liked it. So they they knew that I. So like an acknowledgement that it yeah. had been read. Basically. But then other people, by the way, just like anything, will tell you at the pub or we weren't at the pub in those days. But they'll ring you up and say, "Oh, so you've had a lot of, uh, you know," and you go, "Oh, really?" Because <laughs> you haven't looked at it, have you? But I mean, some of it was meant to be amazing. I don't yeah. know. You just think, well, they they clearly have got an opinion about me, and I, I as I said, I can't change it. What can you do? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean. Um, there's been quite a few very, quite personal things said um, about some of us in the room and some not in the room as well. Um, you need a thick skin, I suppose, don't you? Absolutely. You Absolutely, you need a thick skin. Um, you've just got to, as I say, it's the job. You've got to focus on what you've got to ask. You've got to think about the person you're asking it for, even if it's not you know, necessarily the majority, um, and go with it through like that, I guess. Um, and yeah, absolutely, you need a thick skin. A question in, and uh, this one's anonymous. Did the journalists feel there was a bullying tactic from Comin and a sense they were keeping actions from Timwald and the action of blocking certain stuff from Freedom of Information Act to the public? Any views on that? <laughs> it's a difficult one, isn't it? I yeah, appreciate yeah it. I, I don't know where to go with that one. It's, it's, it's a tricky one. Let's, let's well, try and... I'll just say I, I had lots of MHKs. I think I said it earlier. MHKs were coming to us... Uh, to ask questions because we were sometimes getting a better line of communication mm. because Timwald was still being zoomed and all that as well, and it wasn't. That's interesting. So, do you feel that other members of Timwald oh, I had used, used journalists as a, had, yeah, a mechanism to get their own questions uh, asked? Mm. I thought I'd, I said that earlier. Yeah, I, I had loads, and they were asking really good questions. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, they're having to come to us mm. to get the question asked. And you, when you're limited to the two, you just got to constantly go back and forth. And then if you look. Down the list, you have to keep. Oh, that one's gone. That one's gone. That one's gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, same at the Alaman newspapers. Do you think? In in terms of uh, correspondence from MHKs, was that something that happened? Yeah, I think we did. I, I mean, not me personally, but I mean, we got quite a few people getting contact. Um, well, MHKs getting in contact with the editor and and also news desk. Uh, it's just I think with when when this first started, there just wasn't a lot of clarity in the communication and that's the whole reason why we had um these q and a's um and i mean it just goes to show if mhk's were kind of getting in contact with us too uh, another question and this one's from bonzo how far do the panel think the government's press conferences were part of attempts at tacit control of the media during a state of emergency now that's along a similar line uh, to a previous message mm. any thoughts on that i mean from my perspective i from IT, well, as, as an ITB reporter here, you know, knowing that the Isle of Man hasn't done press conferences before, I think the press conferences on the whole was a good idea and it was it had good intentions to get messages across. And I think that on the whole, we, we were able to scrutinise, you know, we were never we were never given, you know, questions by the government to ask. That's something we were never, when well, I was never given mm. um, questions, we, we were allowed to ask whatever we, we were, you know, we, we, we made those questions. Um, and, and there have been things that have been picked up on uh, during the conferences that, that I think that ministers weren't expecting it's and quite, they did react quite, to it. It's quite a privileged position that we're in, isn't it? Or have been in yeah, and continue absolutely. to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And still, it still is in to ask yeah. the questions. Um, can I expand it out slightly further? This of course, thing, yeah, yeah, Because of course we can. were filming things which the government necessarily didn't want us to film. And we, me and Josh were in that situation. So going up and to the grandstand, for instance, and mm. filming the very first day when people are having things pushed up their nose and that sort of thing. So what, what happens well, in those instances? Good question. Because the, the public aren't, aren't going to... Well, I, I was lucky. Works. I got in there, I got an interview and everything. But it, when I went to the press conference that later day, it was made clear that I should have had permission to do that because the grandstand is on government land and da-da-da. And obviously we took precautions. So, so where, where does that sit with press freedoms then? And we, that's a whole other... Um, program, it really is. Maybe but, we'll do that one another day. But but, anyway. but what was happening was we 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 took ourselves very seriously about making sure we didn't identify anybody. We yes. made sure that the yeah. pictures had no number plates, and and you wouldn't have known. So that's us being responsible. But we sh we needed to tell that story, and we yeah. I don't think we needed to ask permission to go and yeah. take those shots. I, well, I still think there's something there, especially from you know. Mine and Paul's perspective of, of visuals and needing to get a visual on certain stories. Is that in the public interest, having a visual? I would say so. As Absolutely. long as you're not identifying anybody, or you've got, yeah. that's where you've got to be careful. There's yep. a very, yeah. you know, you've got to take things 
into account that those people don't necessarily want to be filmed, and quite rightly so. Why would you want to be filmed? And therefore, there's no identification. No, them. but if people want to speak out, then that's absolutely fine. And, and you know, we, yeah. If, oh, if, yes. if there's acceptance there, and they want to, if they it's want on to... a voluntary basis, then that's... yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and putting them on camera and speaking and telling their story. And there's been plenty of people that have wanted to do that, and that, you know, been very grateful for that. Whether they want to be kept anonymous or otherwise, you know, that's something we can do. But I still think getting getting that visual, and this is this is generally, and this is not just the coronavirus, but getting getting a visual on stories is something that I think is still something that you know, could be worked on. James has been in touch and says, hello, I think you guys have done a difficult job under difficult circumstances. Although there are nasties in social media, you have posted your links in there for people to read. Ignore the trolls, James. Thanks, James. But that, and that's that's nice to get that. And, mm. and as I said, I've I've been, my post bag's been pretty balanced in that sense. Yeah. And uh, that's what you can ask for. You know, if you say, if you get a 50-50, you know you're probably on the right lines, really. So people have one opinion of you, yeah. I'll people have another one. Probably in the middle somewhere. You know you're not being biased. You know, you, if, yeah. you, if, you know if you've got that balance. Um, and, that, and that's that's key. Uh, one more, and then um, I'll, I'll move on a little bit. G in Santon says, I thought you all did well. The questions did show we were getting the whole truth. Essentially, politicians did very well. Well, back to what I say, when this comes down to an inquiry, every one of those press conferences will be scrutinised in minute detail. What did we ask? What was the answer? Why was that answer given that day? And I reckon there could be a few people who might yet be caught out. They've said something that may not have actually been quite right. But you, we, I mean, I'm only just guessing because that's the thing, isn't it? This will all be uh, worked over in some committee in a couple of years' time. Were your questions always answered? <laughs> mm, probably not always, or at least... Um... They, they they would be honest and say, oh, I don't know much about that. And then that would that would end. But uh, a few times I, I had to ask, I don't understand why you're not answering the question. <laughs> like, it That's it. You end up. So, so was that yes or was that no? Yeah, yeah exactly. you've heard yeah. A, you've heard two minutes of something. Yeah. And I'm just like, going, yeah, just to, just to clarify, yes. is that yes or no? <laughs> well, let me just say, yeah, and they just go through yeah. it again, which is, is part of it. You know, it's a batting as off. We always it? get an answer. Whether we get the answer to the question is something else. And sometimes, and some, I've done it before, sometimes your second question is the same question said so, yeah, in a different way. And sometimes different. you do actually get the answer <laughs> and you use that second question because it's important to get the answer to the first one. And it's interesting because some of the members of the public were saying, oh, stop repeating your questions. Uh, but in a way, we kind of had to because yeah. we weren't getting the answers that you know were necessary or yeah. that we needed. Um, it was just kind of being slightly avoided. I mean, we're, we're laughing, but th- this is a source of frustration, isn't mm. it, if your questions But there are, were people there who love howard and his team i mean they absolutely they clapped him at on timmel day he took his hat off and bowed and that sort of thing and they are the ones who are absolutely on his side and what the borders keep to be shut well, we, were, to be we were speaking about defining moments at the, the top of the program and you're right both howard quayle and david ashford yeah. uh, and got others an i think got, got, got a yeah. personal applause which was day, yeah. at, at, a, at a very reduced ceremony mm. it was slightly uh slightly eerie in a way, it was yeah. really something very strange and, yeah. and and but those people are very very dedicated and you, and you can't take it away from them they absolutely yeah. think and, and and who am i to say they're not right but we're there to question it that's all yeah. why are the borders still shut we're there to question it but we're also there to show how people feel about the government and there's no denying there was an applause at timwell day but you have to get that balance there and mm-hmm. I, and from from a from someone who's been here just over, almost a year and a half now when I first got here, there was there was very little interest in politics on the Isle of Man. Mm. You know, very little interest in UK politics, but definitely Manx politics. And since these press conferences have started, so many people have formed an opinion, whether it's good, bad, whatever. And I don't think that can be a bad thing, having an opinion on, on politics, because it is important, to both sides, you know, to hold to hold it to account, but also clap when it's, when it's necessary. Um, and there's been a lot going around saying, you know, the government done a great job. And from an outside perspective, from you know, from a UK perspective, people are looking at the Isle of Man and going, you know, the Isle of Man. Look at the figures. Look at look. They've got they've got no social distancing. They're all in the pub. It's it's all back to normal. Fantastic. But the point is, we're we're not we're as journalists are not here to go. Well done, brilliant. You know, we'll we'll move on. Everything's gone well. We're still here to scrutinise. There's still a lot to to talk about with the coronavirus. There's still, you know, Abbotsford's one thing, but there's a lot of other things to still go over here in time to come. And and. I hate to say it, but there's there's also that second wave that is potentially looming in the future that could start everything off again. And this 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 um, atmosphere that I felt being here now is a very celebratory atmosphere of we've done it. Look at us, brilliant, and almost at risk of complacency. Yes, very. That's that's the impression I've got. There's a very complacent view here. Whether that's the right one to have or not, I don't know. But especially with the easing off of the conferences and the 
you know, we look at what we've done, celebrate, you know, Tim Wall Day, etc. And I feel there is a risk looming that there could be, you know, if, if and, you know, God forbid it does, but if there's a second wave or anything, there could be a further panic and it then will come back into play and it will be back asking the questions and everything going forward there. But I, I, I would, I obviously don't want that to happen, but I do feel like there's a sense of and complacency here. That's the question we keep, you keep asking now. I say you because I'm not going to that is what number has to be hit for the virus you know, to imported to, for yeah. all the lockdown to happen. And that question will be asked every single week yeah. because there's no answer yet. No one knows anything until it, it comes in. And that's I've, why it's important to a, keep a, asking. A question from Roz. Did the panel agree with the press Q&As being taken off FM, given the poor reception of AM, and not everyone able to use the internet. Now, this is specifically talking about Manx Radio's I coverage. Thought were, it was were you a aware of this, first yeah. of all? Yeah, because I, I know everyone loved it. All I got after that, the first day it was taken off, was people going, we can't hear you anymore, we can't hear you. And, and you suddenly realised, wow, you know, Manx Radio is such the public service broadcaster. Uh, AM, most of them got an AM radio, have they? So FM is by choice. I think they should have kept it, but I can see the reasons why. It was getting longer, maybe and longer, and... And uh, programming was being interrupted, and there's other things to be done. But I don't know. I I, I thought it, was, it sounded good, but then um, who sh- you should ask the wrong people, aren't you? Because yeah. we're going to say, yeah, yeah, we love our yeah. voices. <laughs> any any Questions any thoughts? On you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't uh, shouldn't answer on that. <laughs> Another message in. Um, ab- oh dear! How dare you say the government haven't done, haven't done a good job when we are where we are today? Yeah. You're not mm. there to scrutinise. You're there to criticise absolutely disgraceful if it happens again the government will be ready that one's anonymous yeah it's a a fair you know people have their opinions it's a fair point you know we're there to to ask the questions as and when they come up you know i'm not saying the government have done a good or bad job it's just our job is there to question what's happening at the time you know i mean the 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 tim will day you know the clapping of the chief minister and thing that went out on you know I, i put that out as a video to show what had happened but i also put out comments you know on twitter to show ministers who may not have answered the right question or, or holding them to account so you've got to get the balance right i'm guessing that person there doesn't want a q a he just wants the uh, chief minister and uh, or she david, we don't david know Ashford just, just to do a speech and and that's it i mean yeah if they don't want well there you go listen on fm because they won't get the q a's right so <laughs> if they just want to hear the the, the the bit from from the ministers that's all they need to do i th- I know that we're there to chat. We are the opposition, and, and that's mm. the wrong word, but we're the ones mm. to do We're the bit. watchdogs. Yeah, watch, yeah that's a good one. That's, yeah. Yeah. Not from a personal perspective, but from a work and job perspective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what has the coronavirus pandemic shown us about the roles of traditional media and social media? We've sort of touched on this before, but what do you think? Uh, well, social media was obviously more accessible. Um, I mean, we had challenges from print and not to say that we didn't get the papers out into the shops and the courier was slightly limited I suppose but we worked really closely with G Whites to get that out to the public because we recognize you know our our media is bought by a lot of uh, people in the older generation who really needed that and maybe they didn't have access to more technological means. There were some logistical issues weren't there I think for for a while which probably probably a bit inevitable. Uh, but, but p- overall, print was down across the board in the UK, wasn't it? I mean, people didn't get out to buy a paper half the time. The couriers stopped being delivered, or didn't it? It, it did, must be yeah. a headache. Well, yeah. So we had to instead of people getting their free couriers delivered, uh, we we kind of put them in shops so people could mm-hmm. go in when they're waiting them in their queues. They could then go in socially distanced and, and get a copy of it. So yeah, there, there were some difficulties, but we did the best that we could uh, just to c- ensure that those people knew what was happening and that they got the most up-to-date information as possible. And I think all the radar when it comes in for radio will be way up, like all media. I think TV in the UK and everywhere else, mm. people were tuning in, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. The More than ever no- normally would. Yeah, so you, you probably have, have good numbers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we noticed a, a spike in, in people liking our Facebook and social media mm. pages, uh, people viewing the, the live streams and commenting on our uh, what was released on our website and and on our social media again um yeah i think well people just wanted to know and and that was the easiest way for them to get get to it and so they jumped on board with it because they wanted those updates as soon as possible just to be on their feed and yeah so it was it was yeah it was interesting to see how how much um people kind of got on board with that from both the traditional and and also the more kind of 
modern new media. Yeah. <laughs> um, William's been in touch. Do the journalists feel there was a need for the government to run special public press conferences? What did these achieve? Well, we already answered that. Yeah. People had a chance themselves. You know, we're, we're doing a rubbish job. You can do better. Have a go. Yeah. yeah. And they were important because they, there were questions asked there that we didn't ask. You know, yeah. at the end of the yeah. day, they don't have to come to journalists to, to ask the questions. And there were certain questions there that were maybe more personal to the individual or a group of people. And if they wanted to ask the questions, there was plenty of opportunities to ask that. And I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, definitely. This one could be difficult. Also from William, what do the journalists think of each other's coverage? <laughs> <laughs> Why look at me? Look at me to start with. You're in the middle. Point. No, because I'm. <laughs> well, oh, clearly I love Josh's ITV work because <laughs> you know I work there as well. And no, he's had the lead story sometimes. Now this will mean nothing to most people, but when you're in the Isle of Man, you don't often get the lead in a half-hour program. I mean, I mean we, we we laugh, but there is some competition here, isn't there? Of this course. is this he, is a marketplace, isn't it? Yeah. He's a great filmer as well. He makes some lovely shots. Well, I appreciate that, Paul. But no, but seriously, he he brought a lot to the party, and I think Alex at uh, BBC. Yeah, and mm. you've had some great. You know, friendly rivalry because Absolutely. you both got to hit the, the news program that day with something, and you, to be getting the first item mm. is a is biggie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it? I mean, it's 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 that thing where if the Isle of Man has a has a story that's that's big for the Isle of Man and it's just appeal to a region, it will go further up the program. Um, but in terms of you know rival rival coverage, I mean. It depends. There's different. There's different rivals. There's different broadcasters. Mm. You know, Manx Radio is obviously Audio Three FM. You obviously got Energy, and and that mix. Then you've got the papers. Mm. You know, it's different. It's different to TV. That and we've mentioned a bit. We we have different um, different outputs, different yeah. audiences. That's part of the reason for us four being in a studio. Yeah, absolutely, I suppose, isn't it? absolutely. And and you've got Paul, of course, who's he's he's who's filming as well. Who's part of the rivalry? I'm, with, you I'm know, glad BBC. this is on camera. That was good. <laughs> I, I, I had to prompt him to. Yeah, you to, can see that. The question was asking about other media. So I, just, well, I, I think gen, I think generally, including yourself, Paul, the general media output has been very important during during the crisis. It's been it's been something that has been needed. And I think on the whole, I think everyone has added something to, to whether it be the press conferences or the general output, because we're all finding different angles and speaking to different people. And as Paul said, we've got mm-hmm. different contacts that come to us. And it's good to get as, as, as far as a broad approach across the whole of the Isle of Man as possible. And I think by having that range of media, you are able to do that because not everyone's going to want to appear on camera. Some people might want to speak and some people will want to appear on camera. And it's getting that distinction of different stories out there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish. Just... We're, we're nearly out of time, oh. I'm afraid. Um, a message, this is from Doreen. It all worked very well getting the message out to the community resulting in the position we're in today would you agree i, I honestly yeah I, I i think communication has been key throughout throughout the conferences and i think without trying to sound like a certain speech has been written i think it's down to the manx people more so than anyone else that has that has managed to you know get through and it's that communication and getting getting it out there and that community feel mm. which is something that's really rare here that i've tried to get across to to, you know the, the regional news from my perspective that community feel of coming together is, is really helpful through thank you very much to my guests for joining sorry paul thank you <laughs> thank you to paul malton thank you jess ward and thank you josh stokes thanks for joining us take care